Hey everyone, I'm Serena. And I'm Tina, and we are the Mental Health Mamas. Welcome to No Need to Explain. We are so glad you're here. First, as always, a quick disclaimer. We come to you not as mental health professionals or experts in the field, but rather as the parents of kids who struggle with their emotional health. If you or someone you love is experiencing a mental health crisis, please seek professional support. You will find a variety of resources in our show notes and on our website, no need to explain podcast.com. So how about we start our episode today with our with a question from our big book of questions. And I'm going to go ahead and pick number 410. Okay, 410 it is. The question is, which isn't really a question, name <laughs> three beautiful things about where you live. Mm, okay, so uh, I'm in upstate New York, as some of you know. And so number one on my list is the waterfalls. And yet that's more than one. I love our, love our waterfalls uh-huh. here. Uh, we have some really nice walking trails that we take every morning to walk with the kids to school. Um, and then there's really a lot of natural areas that uh, can be explored, kind of endless. Yeah, you guys are all about the nature for sure. Mm-hmm. And I will follow that theme. I'm newly in Virginia uh, and I'm loving, don't hate me, the, mi- <laughs> the mild weather in December. Love it. Um, my bright red Japanese maple tree right outside my window that's still holding its leaves <laughs> again in December. Um, I also love living in a city with so very much to offer, including a river, um, gorgeous Capitol building and parks galore. And we hope that all of you out there listening will respond to this question. That's not a question um, as well. <laughs> <laughs> on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, we're on all those. Um, and if you're not already connected with us on each of those, please do so. Okay, so today, our episode, um, I want to talk about the art of long-distance parenting. Ah, so you mean those young adults who have flown the coop but might need a little help adulting? Mm-hmm, exactly. So there are probably a lot of kids that might fall into this category. And um, it's, it's all about these ages of about 18 to 25, which developmental psychologist Jeffrey Jansen Arnett has uh, referred to as emerging adulthood. And I think that's an excellent name for this period of time. Yeah. Emerging adulthood. I like that. We know that during that time period, Our young adults are still experiencing brain development. They are still learning how to adult and being presented with more freedoms and decision-making. It's a tricky time for them and tricky time for us as parents. Yeah, I think that there is definitely an art to parenting these emerging adults, a push and pull and a lot of trying to figure out when to step in and when to step back and, um, Would you say, Tina, that your kids have kind of made it to the other side of this transition? Yeah, I guess I'll I'll respond to that with a qualifier. I think that becoming and feeling like a full adult, I'm putting air quotes around that, it's kind of fluid and has more to do, it doesn't just have to do with brain development, right? As we Mm -hmm. know, 
um, at, or as you know, and probably everyone else knows, right? Uh, <laughs> I have one who's above that age and one that falls within. And I feel like both of them need support and decision-making, not so much the don't do this, definitely do that thing, right? But mm-hmm. with the decisions that adults have to make all the time, um, I certainly still lean on my mom for kind of those support things when I need support with decisions that I'm unsure about. Uh, And I am clearly well out of that range. Um, And that was a long way to say that I do think both my kids are adulting in amazing ways that neither of them could have maybe five, maybe three years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my oldest is 20. So right in the middle of this kind of emerging adulthood. And I would say that it's been extra complicated by COVID, although not always in a negative way. She had made it halfway through her first year of college when everything shut down the first time around. So she chose to stay home last year because that's what made the most sense for her. And now she's back at school and almost done with her culinary degree. And that's hard to wrap my mind around. Yeah. We have uh, we really appreciated having her home for that time that that we wouldn't have had otherwise. And her sisters definitely miss her so much when she's away. They've always been really close. And college was really, it was a huge transition for all of us. And she's totally doing it. She is adulting. She is. She is renting an apartment with a friend and manages all of her classes along with the job. And she even has a cat. And um, in many ways, it's surreal to watch her grow up into this young woman who was so crippled by anxiety at points in her life that we honestly wondered how she would ever be able to find her way in the world. Mm, So this is where I have no qualifiers. I see both my young adults handling their lives with maturity and responsibility and grace. And that's totally reassuring. I have two kids with stable jobs, a firefighter and a nurse helping others in ways that make me super proud. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that anxiety and depression don't happen, right? For all of us. But what I'm witnessing is amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and certainly the anxiety uh, for my daughter still pops up for her and trying to handle that from a distance is really challenging. And I'm just going to say it. I want to fix it. (laughs) Yes. We all want to jump in and fix things, but we know, or perhaps we've learned over time that we really need to let them figure out stuff as much as they can. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, share just a a little story. We had to deal with the minor medical emergency over the phone a few weeks ago. And those are some of the toughest moments for me. It's really hard to get, you know, any kind of clear assessment or idea of the situation over the phone. And I felt like it was a situation when I really needed to problem solve for her because she wasn't thinking straight. Right, right. It totally makes sense. Um, And again, I don't fall into the 18 to 25 category, but I can relate to those kind of looping medical thoughts Mm -hmm. and totally takes me to my dinosaur brain. Um, I'm in fight, flight, freeze, and I can't be particularly rational. Um, I see one of mine from time to time getting into this this looping state. Mm -hmm. And you're right. Our inclination is to jump in and fix it. Sometimes that 
is the only way, right? Yeah. Yeah. So she was panicking, um, you know, when she called us. And so it was a matter of not only addressing the medical issue, which needed to be addressed, but also trying to calm her down from a distance. Mm -hmm. That is important. I've done a lot of that over time for sure. Yeah. And, you know, just to say that that was kind of an emergency, but um, I don't know about you, Tina, but it's, it's often hard to tell the level of the problem when, you know, sometimes everything's an emergency, right? Right. And I would say that I have a little perspective on this because everything used to be an emergency. And I think over time you get to gauge that. I mean, part of it is the talking on the phone, the texting, even over you know, online, FaceTime or whatever you do, it's reading your kid in a different way than you've read them mm. all of their lives. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So I've had several therapists in the lives of my kids talk about thinking about problems and evaluating whether it's a big problem or a little problem as in, do you need to go to the emergency room or maybe just take a deep breath? And again, when, when they or us uh, are in their lizard or dinosaur brain, you know, that fight, flight or freeze, there's a lot of, I don't know. Mm -hmm. So as you know, Serena, um, and maybe other people know, I just had a hip replacement and I had an ask the week before my surgery. I asked all my people one thing, please try to tend to all of your own needs this week. I need to focus on me. And well, I've been happy for a lot of years to help everybody else with their stuff. This week, I need to focus on me. Um, I, I was unavailable to fix, fix things. And it was amazing to watch what everyone was handling on their own, which I only learned about after the fact, of course, Hmm. it's hard in (laughs) itself. And those are really good boundaries that you set to, to take care of yourself. So, um, but what do we do? How do we walk this line between fixing and supporting? Like what works for you? Well, I'm going to say it once and I'll say it again. And I think we've said it and we will say it again. Validation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I definitely rely on that a lot, not just validation, but also reassurance mm-hmm. uh, as well as in, I hear you. I'm sorry. You're feeling that way. And how can I support you? Yes. And asking questions is huge. I think when we want to move into that fixing place, we need to take a step back and ask for our kids' input. What do they think they should do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even then I might get in, I don't know. Um, so I have to drill down to be more specific. And that might look like asking who could help you with this? What are your options? Who else might you talk to? In the end, I am incredibly grateful that my daughter is in communication with us and calls when she needs something. And I know it's not like that for all parents. And I'm not even sure it'll be like that for me with all of my kids, but I am very grateful for what we have at this moment. So, um, What about you and your kids, Tina? Do you guys communicate a lot? We do. I generally talk to both my kids really nearly almost every day. It's weird when I don't talk to them every day. Um, I get to hear their highs and their lows and usually can, as a skill I've developed, learn by the tone of their voice, how their, you know, what their mood is Mm -hmm. and how they're feeling. Um, And, you know, sometimes I'll get that emergency call and 
I get them a lot less often than I did before. Hmm. Yeah. So, you know, when, when I was in college, um, I remember speaking with my parents once a week at a predetermined time. And again, I'm grateful that communication is different now with my kid away at college. And, you know, I love that she has a cell phone that she can use to check in whenever she needs to. Right. And sometimes boundaries are super important. You are absolutely right. It's a fine line. So you talked before about the boundaries set around your surgery, but what about boundaries around phone calls? Yeah. So that has been a really tough one for me over time. But again, I've learned over time. Recently, I have not been answering my phone if I'm in a medical appointment, which has honestly happened a lot lately, (laughs) uh, physical therapy, everything. And that feels okay to me. Um, I also know when my kids tend to call like at their regular times, like driving to and from work uh, or just when they want to talk. And that helps me set boundaries around maybe not answering the phone at that time because I know it's not an emergent issue. Yeah, absolutely. So something else I'd like to bring up here is the idea of modeling adult behavior. And that sounds really basic, but it can be really powerful too. Our kids need to know not only how we might handle a particular situation, but also that we make mistakes too. I think back to when my kids were toddlers and they'd fall down, right? And there was that split second when they would look at me and see how I was reacting Mm -hmm. to determine how they should react or how hurt they should feel, right? Uh, If I was alarmed, then they would get upset. And Mm -hmm. I think this still happens with young adults. And it's a great time to practice maybe some deep breathing. (laughs) Yeah. So I'll have a shout out to my brother and uh, and sister-in-law here. When their kids used to fall, they used to yell, safe. (laughs) That was it. And then nobody (laughs) cried. It was all good, right? So I think you're right. If we are panicking, then they panic too. Um, Using our own tools to remain calm is important and sometimes hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not easy at all. When my oldest calls me sobbing about something, I'm taken right back to, you know, when she was in elementary school, when the school nurse would call me because she'd injured herself, which happened a lot. Uh, They would put her on the phone to talk to me and I would get choked up immediately. Mm, I hear you. And it is not easy to hear or see our kids in pain, any kind of pain. Mm-hmm. As I began researching this topic a bit for this episode, I discovered that there is not a lot written about this. There are so many books about babies and toddlers and tweens and teens and how you parent all those different ages and stages, but not so much about parenting young adults. Hmm. Part of the reason might be that I think we grew up really thinking that when you're legally an adult at 18, you're emotionally adult an adult as well. Yeah. I think we're learning more and more now about this and there are still parents that grant their children full independence at 18. Uh, But I think more often these days, the parenting journey is continuation, right? Mm -hmm, For sure. So there's an article called parenting kids over 18 is still parenting. You just get less control and the stakes are higher. It's from NBC News, we'll include the link. And it talks about this very thing. 
In the article, Megan Francis states, when my five kids were small, I naively saw the age of 18 as the light at the end of the tunnel. During that sleepless stretch in which my life felt like an endless blur of night feedings, diapers, bandaging boo-boos, and navigating piles of sippy cups and sippy cup lids that never seemed to match, I look forward to my kids' legal adulthood as a kind of finish line. Once they crossed it, I figured I could relax and celebrate having gotten past the hardest part of parenting. Now with two of my children well past voting age, and there are three other siblings hurtling ever faster toward that benchmark, I can look back at my former self and say, with the benefit of hindsight, (laughs) (laughs) instead, I often feel like I'm learning how it works all over again. Parenting older kids is still very much parenting, only you get even less say, the results are more public, and the stakes are higher. The lines between appropriate helping, spoiling, and enabling are often difficult to define, and the concept of parenting to the child, rather than following a one-size-fits-all plan, starts to feel less conceptual and more necessary. Mm, I can totally relate to so much of that, uh, and particularly the idea of learning how it works all over again, like this shifting parenting. Like we're doing, we're starting from the beginning again in some ways. Mm-hmm. And I like that shifting parenting for sure. Uh, there are another, there are a few other resources. Um, we found helpful that we will link to in our notes. One's called Adult Children, a guide to parenting your grown kids. So my favorite tip from this article is be a consultant, not a CEO. And I think that's just a great reminder of our changing roles in our children's lives as they grow. And this particular resource covers lots of different topics, such as children who move back home, how to discuss and manage finances, top concerns of parenting adult children, and when an adult child has mental health issues or special needs. Mm, That last one's super important. Uh, Just because science and research tells us that our kids' brains have fully developed at the age of 25 doesn't mean that all individuals are ready to be fully independent at that age, especially those with the invisible mental health struggles, Mm -hmm. right? You know your child best for sure, and any kind of additional need may mean more supports required. Yeah, absolutely. And we hope we have made it clear to you in our conversation today that we don't have all the answers and (laughs) maybe we don't even have any of the answers. Do we ever have any of the answers? Uh, I'm not sure. (laughs) (laughs) We are totally learning right along with you out there listening. And we would love to hear your thoughts on this super important topic. So please, you are not alone. Come Mm -hmm. on board with us. Yes. Send us an email at mamaresilience at gmail.com and tell us what you think. Tell us about how you're managing the job of parenting your young adult and what, what works for you. We would love to hear it every word. So podcast friends, we are as always grateful for all of you listening and supporting us. You can help us out by visiting Apple podcasts, leaving us a review, subscribing, and please share with others. You will find lots more content on our website, no need to explain podcast.com. This is your gentle reminder to take good care of yourself while you're also taking care of your people. Thanks again for listening. Bye.